The Big Fight Weekend Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network of Shows is presented by WinBet. WinBet is now live in Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, and Arizona. From boosted parlays to in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet has what you need to win. Sign up today and receive a $1,000 risk-free sports bet. Download the WinBet app now. Visit winbet.com, W-Y-N-N-Bet.com, and start winning today. We're also brought to you in part by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is DFS simplified. All you have to do is pick your favorite player over and unders to cash in. Head over to prizepicks.com and use the promo code SGP for a 100% instant deposit match. We're also brought to you in part by PropSwap, America's marketplace to buy and sell sports bets. Check out the new PropSwap.com and use the promo code SGP for your first deposit to receive up to $500 in bonus cash. And we're also brought to you in part by SoBet. Sign up and bet against your friends and join the social betting revolution at SoBet.io. That's SoBet.io. We're also brought to you in part by Better Fantasy. Better Fantasy is a new free-to-play app that lets you sync your fantasy football league and bet on head-to-head matchups. Download that app today or just head to BetterFantasy.com slash SGPN. That's B-E-T-T-O-R Fantasy.com slash SGPN. And we're also brought to you in part by the SGPN app. Just enter SGPN in the App Store or the Google Play Store to download it today. The countdown is on to fight time. This is Big Fight Weekend. Now, here is your host, TJ Reeves. Yes, ring the bell once more. Not many times left to say in 2021 that we're here, but we are back here on the only stop that you need. If you're a fight fan, if you love the sweet science, the fistic art of boxing, we are here for you as part of the Big Fight Weekend uh, podcast. I am merely uh, TJ Reeves. He is the senior writer, bigfightweekend.com. Marquise John's back aboard with me. Uh, Week sauce, good to have you. Lots of news, lots of fight cards uh, here on essentially the second to last weekend of the year. I guess we're going to count it as that because New Year's Day falls on a Saturday in a couple of weeks. So uh, not many days left in 2021. Plenty of fight cards this weekend. Plenty of news. A lot to get to. How are things? Pretty good, TJ. Pretty much boxing to close this year is giving everybody stocking stuffers. And these stocking stuffers are pretty much considered fight cards. And they're giving us all the stockings you can have as, as they wind everything down, trying to wrap all this stuff up. We did have a lot of action last weekend that we're going to cover. want to tell you, too, that one of my faves, I love going across the Atlantic to David Payne, the boxing writer. Love his insight in the U.K. We saw Connor Ben, rising welterweight, unbeaten contender. He always is tagged with this, the son of the two-division legend Nigel Ben from back in the 90s. Uh, he was in action this past weekend. Very impressive knockout for what it was worth against an aging veteran in Chris Algieri. I'll get David's thoughts on that. Get David's thoughts on Tyson Fury, not only defeating De- Deontay Wilder, but what's going to happen next? Is it Dillian White? Is it Alexander Usyk? What's, is it somebody else? What's going to go on with Fury? who when last we saw him a few days ago, Marquise Johns was serenading Bob Arum for his 90th birthday at Madison Square Garden. You can't make this stuff up in, in boxing, and yet it actually happens. It's in real life. Absolutely, TJ. And I kid you not, Tyson Fury has nailed this, this bye-bye Miss American Pie song to the point of no return. I'm, I'm actually going to put this, TJ, on my list of things I don't want to hear next year next to Sweet Caroline amongst others, but he has it down. He has his own playlist of his own songs uh, that he's singing. And so, again, Aram was in New York for the top-ranked fight card that Vasily Lomachenko was successful in. We'll talk about that in a few moments. So, again, David Payne later in the podcast. Fight picks coming after the David interview uh, as we look forward to a Thursday or actually a Friday night uh, unified heavy, light heavyweight title fight. Uh, Artur Biterbiev, the, uh, the Russian now uh, making his home in Montreal, Quebec, is fighting in Montreal uh, against Marcus Brown, a New York native uh, who has been a world championship contender for several years now. Brown and Better BF will be fighting in Montreal. We'll be predicting this, talking about the fight, but let's talk about the news right now up front here. 
uh, as we have other fight cards that we'll get to and make picks on. But for Better Be Evan Brown, chronologically, that's the first significant fight card that's supposed to be, and it will, it looks like, be Friday night uh, in Montreal because the latest with the COVID-19 surging numbers, the concerns from health officials, not just in the United States but around the world, is what's going to happen here as the new variant, the Omicron variant, uh, continues to rage on. So in Canada, they are taking a lockdown-type measures from back in 2020. And Marquise Johns, that means we may see some fans, limited fans, or no fans on Friday night. I know late Thursday evening you were writing about this on BigFightWeekend.com. This was supposed to be a well-attended, you know, frothing, raucous crowd uh, for this uh, Better BF Brown fight and for the undercard uh, as well. And it looks like it may only have some, a little, or nobody there. Elaborate more on the news that's coming out while we're taping the podcast and releasing it on Friday. Absolutely, TJ. As we're as recording this podcast uh, as it goes, uh, we, the Bell Center in Montreal, uh, as we mentioned with Canada, they said having, because uh, of the COVID restrictions uh, and its Omicron variant, uh, pretty much surging cases and numbers. So they, they pretty much keeping fans out of these buildings again, like was the old fashioned days. So we're getting back to that old school bubble format for these boxing shows is looking like in Canada. And the one thing that I will mention with Canada is that uh, pretty much the report from the uh, Canadian part of uh, Quebec uh, Premier was mentioning that uh, they may have an opportunity to have uh, 50% fans. Uh, they told this to the Montreal Canadiens uh, starting in January. So that's next month. Uh, we're in December right. now. So that so that means there's nobody going to beat this fight tomorrow. And, which the, is and the Canadians played Thursday night against the Philadelphia Flyers in an NHL game where the health officials, the NHL, the Canadians said nobody's going to be here. That's in the same arena, the Bell Center, that's supposed to have the top-ranked ESPN card on Friday night. Uh, again, you may already know this answer as you listen to the podcast and as Friday unfolds and Friday night unfolds, you will know the answer. So if you're listening to us after that, you know what happened. But as we're sitting here in real time taping and then getting ready to release the podcast, I can't fathom that they're going to have people there for the Better BF fight, no matter what the optimism is for 24 hours from now when we're taping. If the Canadians had no one there and you wrote this on the website, the fight's going to have fans when the Canadians didn't? Yeah, TJ. If if if, if Canada's, Canada's number one sport doesn't have uh, spectators and, and viewers, uh, uh, boxing, unfortunately, and I, I like to be an optimist here. There's no nobody with this fight fans for, for tomorrow for this. So we're going to go back to the, the old school bubble format, which is going to be really uh, interesting with this uh, with Canada as well, because Canada's been known for doing this when, in terms of just making these rules as they go, kind of like the WBC in terms of how to have the fans and whatnot. They mentioned with the Canadians 50% starting next month, but tomorrow means there's not going to be anybody. And we'll see if that changes as well as they go, as the, as the year ends out and, and the cases go up. So it may be no fans at all. And we're just going to play by ear like everybody else. And again, this will uh, be something that we'll be watching carefully with the U S shows. Will some of them elect to go no fans or not, and just try to collect on TV revenue, pay-per-view subscribers, watching whatever the interesting dynamic here is they were planning for this better BF fight with Marcus Brown to have a significant pay-per-view audience in Canada anyway, regardless of who's in the house. Meanwhile, in the United States, it will be part of your ESPN plus subscription. If you already have that, it's not a pay-per-view in this country. So you just wonder now, again, if, if they were planning to have, and who knows what the truth is, 10,000, 15,000, and they end up say, having to say goodbye, Marquise, to $3 million, $5 million or more in live gate. That's significant for the promoters uh, here on this. So, again, a fluid situation. We don't know all the answers. We're going with the news that we have on Thursday night one more time, right? Absolutely. And the one thing I will mention as well is the big time uh, promoter, uh, Yvonne Michel, is, 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 holding his, is, is holding on to a hope that he can get fans at these shows. He's been pulled under the rug uh, by the government before with these fight cards as well, uh, most notably during the pandemic when they had no idea what was going on there. And, and can't, usually, TJs, we all know Canada's usually first with this and shutting things down. So we'll see how long they keep the door locked. <laughs> and there's great concern as well because they obviously have the NBA's Toronto Raptors. They have numerous NHL teams. Uh, there's concern about traveling from province to province when you're playing games within the NHL. We'll see what Canada solves, but again, it affects the boxing. Okay, so real quick, uh, there will be interest, obviously, in this uh, fight card here for for Better Biev and for Brown. And it's interesting, it's a Friday night fight card because, again, 
Uh, ESPN has a lot of say-so in this, and ESPN is busy televising college football bowl games this weekend, but they're also trying to stay away from the NFL because the NFL, American football, is playing Saturday night with the New England Patriots and the, and the Indianapolis Colts. So a little counter-programming by ESPN to say, hey, let's put it on a Friday night where some more fight fans may be interested and football doesn't swallow it as up, up as much on Saturday, right? That and also it's also going to be on ESPN Plus, so it's behind the paywall as well. So they're trying to. It sounds like TJ. If if, if this let's, I'm just, just give me a tinfoil hat for a second and follow me on this, and just for kicks and giggles. Say for example, this fight card didn't sell, and it's in Canada. So originally in Canada, it has to be on pay per view anyway for sixty bucks a pop. I mean, people in America, it's, it's ESPN Plus. It's on the paywall, so it's already there. So just. Just throwing that out there, TJ, as you mentioned before, just saying in case it didn't sell and it they want to boost. But if, even if it didn't sell, I mean, I, I understand this conspiracy theory and I'm, I'm yeah. always up for a good conspiracy theory, but yeah. not selling well, air quotes, still means you have 5,000 there or 7,000 there. Why would you not take that for the for the live gate uh, for this if you could? I'm sure the promoter is looking at it the same way. If I can have 5,000 in, in an arena that probably seats 18,000 or so, yeah. For the fight, if I can have five thousand, I'll take the five thousand and take the additional money, depending on what they let them do. Again, we don't know that answer. Moving along, uh, big weekend last weekend with a lot of different fight cards, including, as I mentioned, Vasily Lomachenko headlining the former undisputed lightweight champion of the world, headlining on top rank ESPN's card in New York. Uh, he ends up getting a lopsided decision win over uh, former IBF world champ Richard Comey. And uh, a fight that it looked like Lomachenko was going to stop Comey along about the seventh round. He was beating the daylights out of him. Fight ended up going the distance. That was the main event of that show. Quick thoughts from you on that show and Lomachenko's win, if you would, Marquise. Yeah, TJ, credit to Richard Comey's corner for surprisingly not stopping the fight in that seventh round when Vasily Lomachenko is verbally yelling on the broadcast at his corner verbatim, TJ. You're going to stop this? Oh, stop this fight, yeah. Like, at some point, I'm surprised they didn't because I will admit, Comey didn't look too great after that knockdown, and I really thought, personally, TJ, I thought Lomachenko was going to close the show on this. Uh, somehow critical Comey for, for still being game despite losing wide here. But, yeah, I'm really surprised that that – that fight did not end in the seventh round, but either way, Lomachenko looked impressive and looked really good Saturday night. All right. So he got the win on the undercard, couple of interesting up and comers. Uh, one of those Jared, big baby Davis, the, uh, the Hi, unbeaten Anderson. heavyweight, uh, Jared, big Davy, big baby Anderson. 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 Uh, forgive me on getting all of my nicknames because it was Glenn, big baby Davis, right Davis, in the NBA. Yeah. <laughs> so it's Jared, big baby Anderson in, uh, in the boxing and uh, first of all, uh, give me your take on him coming to the ring with the white fur coat, the white hat, the cane, uh, the whole the whole swag look that he had, and then he backed it up. Did big did the real big baby? Absolutely, TJ. And if you were listening to this podcast last week, and I remember telling you as well, TJ, the, one of the on the pick segment, I told you to smash the under on the three point five last Saturday night, and uh, two. Uh, my map in Florida, TJ, um, at being out in Colorado, is still uh, the bigger number east, the smaller one. You won last weekend. And the, <laughs> and him coming out uh, in Pimp C's International Players Anthem getup uh, for UGK was amazing. <laughs> I'm all for that. And he, as you mentioned before, TJ, he backed it up. He's going to be a problem oh, with yeah. the heavyweights next year. And the one story from him is that he's one of the, the, the prospects I'm actually looking forward to because the one thing that his, his story is getting bigger, TJ, don't forget during, earlier in the year during the whole Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder stuff when that fight wasn't happening for whatever reason or another. Uh, this, the, that bizarre story of, of Jared Anderson knocking Fury out and sparring. I mean, who doesn't like that story? To go the around? rumor, yeah, the rumor that, that Fury tried to debunk and say didn't happen, and who knows if it did happen, and Anderson's not really saying. He's got a big punch. He's yeah. got to get seasoned a little more, be in there with better competition, but whoever that Russian Palooka was, <laughs> yeah. uh, he as I tweeted, he fell like a redwood tree yes. uh, when Anderson hit him in the second round, so there's something to be said uh, for that. And earlier on the card, Keyshawn Davis, the American Olympian who won silver in the lightweight division at the, at the year long delayed Tokyo Olympics in August of this year, Davis had actually turned pro had had three professional fights. And then the international Olympic committee and the international boxing, uh, organizers said, okay, if you were qualified a year ago, 2020 to have been in the Olympics, 
we'll let you back in this rare exception that we've never made before. We'll let professionals get back in. And the IOC, again, lets professionals in other sports go and compete. But boxing for the first time, let that happen. Keyshawn Davis took advantage, got all the way to the gold medal match, the gold medal fight, before losing to a Cuban opponent that's kind of had his number. All right, fast forward. He's back in the ring, under contract with top rank, scored an impressive knockout. What did you see? How big and bright is the future for Keyshawn Davis? Keisha Davis looked really good, TJ, last Saturday night, and he he joined my uh, uh liver sugar panel on uh, on Twitter the the threat of body shots like knockdowns because that shot was impressive. And that man was not getting up from that at all when it hit his right side at all. That looked nasty. No, he's going to be a problem, TJ. And, I'm, and for, to mention your point, you mentioned the Cuban. I'm, I'm pretty sure uh, Keyshawn Davis can avoid the rest of his life not facing Rick, Ricardo Torres in the amateurs or the pros ever ever again. So he looked really good. Uh, the the only only prospect that didn't look interesting on this on this card from top ring last Saturday, TJ, was the one they promoted the most. And you may know him as Muhammad Ali's grandson because he kind of got a gift win uh, uh, in a four-rounder and start the whole thing off. Nico Ali Walsh, right? Yes. Is the, is the name, and he wasn't that impressive despite all of the interest uh, in that fight. But anyway, good card at the Garden. Uh, meantime, there were other cards. Again, we'll talk with David Payne more about Connor Ben's knockout in the main event of of that fight card the matchroom uh fight card which was what liverpool england yes. that they had earlier in the day on saturday katie taylor the undisputed lightweight women's champ very impressive defended her title we're now wondering if she's fighting amanda serrano next serrano in action in tampa on the uh, the undercard of the jake paul tyron woodley rematch coming saturday night on showtime pay-per-view right here in the tampa bay area where i'm hosting the podcast so Serrano Taylor may be happening. Uh, Marquise, your thoughts on the matchroom card also as we move along and go down the list here? Uh, what's pretty interesting last Saturday, TJ, with that, that Connor Ben knockout of Chris Algeria is probably knockout of the year. That photo that mm. um, Mark Robinson took over at matchroom, credit to him for that. That's amazing. That, that shot's amazing. And that was was really good and he's going to be one of those prospects at 147 because it's it's a log gym at that at, at welterweight he's one to keep an eye out for but no the one name that i always mentioned when they mentioned with uh connor ben was jesse vargas at some point i wonder if that's going to come down the line with matchroom because at this point he needs to face actual other competitors that aren't in matchroom stable or pretty much world competition so he's, he's getting there at this point but he, they're running out of names for him to fight and Ben, uh, and we'll talk about this with David Payne, the boxing writer in the next segment. Ben may be in there with Adrian Broner, uh, maybe another name. We'll yeah. see who who or what they can come up with. Needs better competition, and he may have to wait for a while, as we keep saying, to get a shot at uh, at an Errol Spence, uh, at an Ugas, at a Terrence Crawford. Don't know. Don't know how that's going to happen or how that's going to work out in 2022 for him. Again, moving along in the recap mode, what were your thoughts on Nonito Donaire, the 39-year-old WBC Bantamweight title holder? Latest successful defense for him with, again, another liver shiver, my friend, yes. here on the Bid Fight Weekend Podcast. More, please. Absolutely. He looked nasty, too. Donaire at 39, TJ, is, is out, out to chase history, and, uh, and Raymond Gabala was not going to get in the way, and after four rounds, he didn't get in the way because he fell down, and he stayed down. And one thing with Donaire that looked really good from him last last Saturday, TJ, is he is well-known for his left hook. That's what ended his fight with Gabalo, and he was able to time him up in, that, in the middle of that second round, and you could see it halfway through the fight. Once that happened, you could see it was a matter of if and when he was going to knock him down. That was impressive. And Donaire, again, is the oldest Bantamweight champion ever at 39 years old, still able to make 118 pounds. That's incredible. And so, uh, again, he was the, uh, the winner of the main event uh, in Carson, California. And so then the question now becomes, will Donaire be fighting a rematch with Japan's Naoya the Monster Inoue? Inoue also victorious since last we had the podcast midweek in Japan. Scored an easy knockout over a little-known Thai opponent that he overwhelmed, bloodied the guy's nose early, continued to pound him with shots to the body, and then eventually a wicked left, a straight left, dropped uh, the the Thai opponent, Diapon, is I believe how you say the name. He rose wobbly. The referee let the fight go on, and then uh, uh, in a way jumped all over him, hit him again with another solid left, and that was it. Stoppage. That is the 15th knockout in 17 fights for the monster. He has got quite a knockout uh, legacy building right now. What is the likelihood in your mind that we're going to get that second uh, monster versus Donaire fight 
maybe even by the summer of 2022. What do you think? You know what, TJ? That's one of those fights I really think can actually pop, happen more often than anything else. I like that fight happening more often than Donaire fighting what they had originally planned, I'm assuming, was a unification with uh, John Rail, Casimero, who I think is going to be stripped of his belt in about two weeks because he missed weight and faked a stomach injury, and they, and they asked for a doctor's note, and he doesn't have one. So we'll see what happens <laughs> with all of that. Well, or, well the, 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 we're calling it doctor's note. The legal word is show cause letter. Same deal. But nonetheless, uh, he's, he, he, may, he may have a belt to fight him for, so you got, you got to have something to face with anyway with. And I'm looking forward to seeing that rematch because that was a good fight that they had the first go around. So we'll, we'll see if this history repeats itself again. And Donaire is the one laughing loudest at Casimiro refusing to even come to the weigh-in in uh, the UAE and Dubai for his title defense. So it looks like he's going to be stripped of the title. Uh, I, the bigger fight is the is the monster fight anyway. And will that yeah. be in the United States again uh, here? The first one was in Japan. Will, will the monster come to the U.S., maybe in Las Vegas, to have that fight? And again... Uh, in this instance, the monster controlled by Bob Arum and top rank domestically in the United States, Donaire controlled by premier boxing champions. Can those sides now get together for that fight? We'll wait and see if uh, that is the case. All right. Anything else on our, on kind of our news of the week and our recaps uh, before we get out of here in this part of the segment, any, anything else that comes to mind right now that we haven't covered, uh, et cetera, from this week? Are we good? Yeah, just, pretty much. Yeah. Just, yeah, just two quick things, actually. Uh, Bebo uh, retained against uh, um, Umar Salamanov. Looked all right. He boxed him again for number 12 rounds. Nothing Light heavyweight, there. Russian, unbeaten, yeah. maybe fighting better BF somewhere down the road at light heavyweight for a unification fight. But Bevold didn't didn't land big shots, wasn't overly impressive, right, in that defense? It was pretty one-twos, pretty standard stuff. He, 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 it was one of those guys that he could have knocked out, I'm personally thinking, but he just chose to outbox it for 12 rounds. It's, it's kind of disappointing on that front of it. But he still looks the same on my end. It just makes you wonder what happened to the killer instinct that Bevo had a couple of years ago. <laughs> and anything else? I mean, that fight taking place in Russia, uh, as we and, mentioned. And also that first pro Belmont card last Saturday, TJ, you missed a, 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 a glorious dumpster fire on Access TV from Dubai, by the way. Uh, a lot of these fights, before the fights even started, TJ, let's not forget that up. Uh, as we mentioned before, Casemiro pulled out. Uh, the, the, the guy that replaced Casemiro that was going to fight the guy, uh, uh, Paul Butler, he pulled out because he didn't want to fight for a fake belt. So that whole fight was scrapped. They had a heavyweight fight where a guy landed one punch. It looked like a job fight. It looked very questionable. Wow. Uh, not the, Sonny Edwards won in, a, in an IBF uh, uh, title defense, TJ, that looked like an IBF flyweight title defense. You, if, you, if, if, you missed, <laughs> if, if you missed a show on Access TV last Saturday, TJ, I'm, I'm here to tell you, you missed nothing. But nonetheless, you missed nothing I'm looking, much, right? There's nothing much, but hopefully Pro Belt will put on some better shows than this. But at least there's another album and another promotional company. More, more boxing than Mary, we say. Yes, indeed. Marquis, stand by. Again, David Payne from England. Some insight on the Connor Ben win. We'll talk a little Tyson Fury with him. He's up straight ahead. Fight picks coming as well as we rock along here with a bunch of action again this weekend to go over and make some predictions from gambling, etc. That is all still to come. But first, we're brought to you by our friends at WinBet. Are you ready to win money and boost your odds? Well, WinBet is now live in Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. And we're bringing the excitement of Win Las Vegas to online sports betting and casino play. You've got exclusive rewards right at your fingertips. Get in on all the favorite teams, the players, the sports. We've got the NFL starting up soon. Uh, Major League Baseball is ongoing. You've got the golf. You've got the MMA. Uh, Pretty soon the NBA will be back. The NHL will be back. College football and more. Great promos, odds, and payouts from boosted parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport. We have what you need with WinBet. If you're ready to play, sign up today. Get a special offer. Get a risk-free $500 bet from us at the Sports Gambling Podcast Network by just downloading and using our promo code SGPN. Download the WinBet app. Visit wynnbet.com. That's wynnbet.com to find out more right now. If you're ready to play, if you're ready to win, they're the premier sports betting experience. Download, bet, and win with WinBet. 
And we're brought to you in part by Tick Pick with college football's championship weekend behind us. The bowl season, though, is about to be here, and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet for tickets to see your favorite teams play in their bowl game. That's because Tick Pick is the original no fee ticket site. That's Tick Pick. TickPick.com or the TickPick mobile app. It's the only one you ever need to go for all of the games, whether you're talking about NCAA football, the NFL, concerts, the NBA, and more. Whether you're talking about the college football playoff semifinal games on New Year's Eve with Alabama now playing Cincinnati in the Cotton Bowl or in Miami, they're going to have Georgia and Michigan face off. Tick Pick has got all of the best ticket prices, and they don't have the service fees that all the others have. Plus, if you're looking to go out to the Rose Bowl for Ohio State and Utah on New Year's afternoon, or if you're also looking at that Sugar Bowl on New Year's night between Ole Miss and Baylor with the upset win, TickPick guarantees all the best prices for all the college football tickets this bowl season. If you don't believe it and you can find a better price somewhere else, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference on your purchase price. Seek it out. Visit TickPick today. Go to TickPick.com SGP. That's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, TickPick.com SGP. And we're brought to you in part by Prize Picks, the easy way to play Daily Fantasy. Daily Fantasy is simplified by picking two to five players and the over-under in their projections, and you can win up to ten times your amount on any entry. Use our promo code SGP and get a 100% deposit match up to 100 bucks. It is you versus the projected numbers. It has tons of stats on prize picks, yards, receptions, touchdown, fantasy points, all of that. Prize picks will also allow mixed sports entries. You can take the over on LeBron and combine that with the under on Mahomes in the same entry. They offer every sport you can think of from the NFL to college football, the NBA, college basketball, Major League Baseball, Soccer, MMA, and more. Prize Picks has award-winning, easy-to-use mobile app in both the App Store and the Google Play Store. Prize Picks is a 4.8-star rated app and has got rave reviews. And the entries can be made in 60 seconds or less with Prize Picks. It's just that easy. It's safe. They've got fast withdrawals. What are you waiting for? PrizePicks.com. Promo code SGP. 100% deposit match up to 100 bucks with Prize Picks. We're also brought to you in part by SoBet. Since when is sports betting supposed to be so rigid? Sports betting is meant to be social. When I picture betting, I picture bootleggers with mustaches tossing bets around at a speakeasy. SoBet is taking the social lineage of betting and putting a modern twist on it by providing a modern platform. SoBet is changing the game with their new product. Head over to SoBet.io and create an account and find out for yourself. Fully functioning, free web application. You can access a demo of their app that will launch next fall. That app includes consensus lines from Las Vegas, a feed of what other people are betting on, and the ability to send friendly wagers to anyone you know via a text, a QR code, or links, among other methods. No money is transacted on the app, and it's purely competitive. Next time that you're going to be out with your friends watching sports, turn it up a notch. Go to SoBet.io and see who can hit the most ridiculous bets. Users have the ability to place bets off the Vegas odds or generate a bet by changing the metric if they want, as long as somebody's on the other side to accept it. Let's go back to the roots of betting with SoBet. Go to SoBet.io. That's SoBet.io and join the revolution. And we're brought to you in part by PropSwap, America's marketplace to buy and sell sports bets. If you're not using PropSwap, you're just missing out. PropSwap is America's number one app to buy and sell those sports bets, and you can find the best odds in the country because you're buying directly from other bettors. Use our promo code SGP, and your first deposit from PropSwap will be doubled up to $500. Double the cash means double the odds. And if you love sports betting, you need to be using PropSwap. Sellers across the country list their bets for sale and thousands of buyers visit PropSwap every day to find the best odds on futures, props, and parlays. The average prop swapper makes $500 a month just buying and selling sports bets through PropSwap. Get started today by going to PropSwap.com or just download the app in the Google Play or the Apple Store. PropSwap, it's where America buys and sells sports bets. 
And we're brought to you by our friends at Better Fantasy. Better Fantasy is a new free-to-play app that lets you sync your fantasy football league and bet on the matchups. You can cash out for gift cards when you hit your bets and even help raise money for charity along the way. It's a brand-new company looking to grow their early adopter community. It's a slick app. It's fun to use. And one of the reasons we love it is it also offers prop betting. So if you're in a state that hasn't legalized gambling yet, you can get some prop bets going on Better Fantasy. Totally free to play. Download it now for iPhone or for Android and check them out online, betterfantasy.com slash SGPN. Again, spell better, B-E-T-T-O-R, fantasy.com slash S-G-P-N. And a reminder, the SGPN app is right there live now in the App Store and the Google Play Store. This app gives you easy access to all of our picks, all of our podcasts, everything in the content from the SGPN family of shows and everything that's going on on the app. Don't forget, give us an app review. Download the SGPN app today in the App Store and the Google Play Store. Look for us. It's the SGPN app. We're back on Big Fight Weekend. Now, here's your host, TJ Reeves. As we are back in, it has been a little while. Always a pleasure, though, to get the insight, to get the analysis, to get the holiday cheer. I should say to the audience that on video a moment ago, he did greet me with a Santa hat on. So it's almost like, hey, is he ready to ride with the reindeer on Christmas Eve? and deliver the packages. He is the boxing writer, uh, David Payne from boxingwriter.co.uk, back aboard on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. Merry Christmas, happy holidays. Uh, Festivus for the rest of us, as I keep joking around. I'm not sure if you get that reference. It's an American comedy reference from uh, from TV, but good to have David Payne back on the podcast. It's good to be back, TJ. Thank you for inviting me. Merry Christmas to you and all the listeners. And uh yeah, all the best for the uh, festive period. Yes, I was indeed wearing the Santa hat, doing my best Scott Calvin impression, uh, drinking <laughs> a uh, bottle of American beer. Other beers are available. Um, yes, trying to get in the mood for talking to you, TJ. No doubt. No doubt. All right, so let's touch on uh, one thing that we saw last weekend, and that is Connor Ben, the son of the former two-division world champ, the Dark Destroyer, Nigel Ben. He is looking more and more like a world champion contender, if not a world champion himself. Ben uh, wiping out Chris Algieri, the veteran, with uh, as big a right-hand bomb as we have seen in recent memory in a big-time fight. All right, so that's me saying that. There's obviously a lot of attention being paid to Connor Ben's buildup, and that was a big-time knockout. What are your thoughts? Um, I think overall I was impressed, TJ. I mean, that's, that's the shorthand view. Um, obviously watched the fight, uh, enjoyable performance, um, clear progress being made and he's a little bit showbiz, isn't he? Um, he talks well, um, very direct and he's got that kind of edge in the same way that his father had. And of course, his name goes before him, has opened doors for him. Um, I think the context we apply, of course, is that he's twofold, uh, is the one since obviously the usual asterisks against a 37-year-old welterweight that was coming out of the other corner for all his pedigree in the past. He is a 37-year-old welterweight. Um, no matter how well-preserved he is, um, that's old. Um, but I don't think necessarily anyone expected Conor Ben to do what he did. And if they did expect him to do what he did, maybe they weren't anticipating him doing it in quite such a controlled way. So when he started out, he very much was trading on the name and he was a kind of um, uh, what's it, a facsimile of his father, trying to mimic his father um, rather than understanding the game itself and understanding the fundamentals. He was, it was trying to make a, yeah, a, an impression, if you like, of what mm -hmm. his father was like. And that, and that sold for a little while. And then he started to get into trouble in fights, fighting that erratically without having the grounding beneath him. Um, with Tony Sims over the last couple of years, he's certainly massively improved and is on a good sequence of results. I mean, demolishing Vargas in less than a round was also more impressive than perhaps anyone expected it to be. Um, so I think those two results put together and the way that he's gone about his business in those two fights 
suggest that we, and I, and I thought so after the virus when, to be honest, I think we need to start taking him more seriously as a, as a genuine world, as you described him, world title contender. Um, but again, always with that, that context of where Algeria was in his career. So I think his next fight is really important. The names they mentioned after fight were interesting. Maybe not the ones that people <laughs> want to see him with, but um, they would do good business at the gate, etc., and would be part of this mixture of good matchmaking and kind of good business matchmaking that they're, they're trying to pull off with Ben. He mentioned the name Adrian Broner, uh, which again, Broner, when you're talking about prime or over the hill, et cetera, I, I don't know what that represents. Of course, Broner has been a former multi-division world champion in the past. Maybe that is the name. Do you believe that Ben, from what you've seen, and you have a lot of expertise having covered the sport, especially in the UK, for 15 plus years, 20 years, if I'm not selling you short, does he have the championship look? Do you need to see more in a next subsequent fight besides what you've seen over the last two or three bouts from him? Do you believe he has the championship look though, from what you've seen? I think he has. Um, I think he's still, there's still potential for him to get better. Um, he needs to demonstrate it against tougher maybe more ambitious uh, opponents um, people with a, a few less miles on the on the on the clock um, and I suppose it de depends to some extent on your definition of champion too doesn't it TJ you know as purists we would point to the fact that Terence Crawford is the man or you might point to Errol Spence depending on your your flavor um, they're the top two in the division and everyone else after them is merely a contender whether they have belts or not is, is neither mm -hmm. here nor there. So spin spin out of, um, and drop some of the purist thing and you think, well, he looks capable of winning a belt for whatever that might may or may not mean at some point in the future. It's certainly within him, I would suspect. Um, but beat a Crawford or beat a Spence, if that's what we mean by being a champion, which is what he'd need to do to be welterweight champion in my book, then he's some way away from proving that he's capable of doing that. But what he's shown is a great appetite for improvement and he's shown an ability to improve. Uh, it's one thing to talk about it. It's one, one, it's one thing to try hard, but he's actually demonstrated improvement because it wasn't just the fact that um, he knocked this guy out. It was all the constituent parts of the performance. It was the head movement. It was the feet. It was the poise. It was the, Quitting off the ring, all the things that his dad had said just before the fight and our coverage, I don't know if you've got that coverage, saying these are the improvements you're going to see. And it was his head movement was the biggest thing. I don't think he got caught with more than one shot in four rounds. Um, and I think that will serve him well because in the past he's been reckless and a bit easier to hit. So he's obviously learning there's maturity in his performances. And, and um, yeah, there was, there was a lot to like. There's no denying there was a lot to like. Um, but beat a Crawford or a Spence, if Spence is still an active fighter, who knows? Um, then that's a long way off. But the people like Broner, I think Broner's highly skilled, but is he highly motivated? I'm less certain. Um, so I think that, that to me, represents a good business, a good crossroads fight for Ben. And um, some people might scoff at it, but I'd say that that's a 50-50, subject to which what type of Broner turns up. Sure. And we'll see, you know, what other welterweights, there's a lot of them are in the mix. You mentioned Spence trying to come back from the eye injury. Does Crawford stay at welterweight or move up? Like some are speculating, we will find out on that. You're hearing the voice of David Payne. Love his insight. He's back aboard here on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. Find him at The Boxing Writer on Twitter. Find his site where he uh, pins, types, uh, his insight, his wisdom on all things, including uh, connections to the UK and European fighters at boxingwriter.co.uk. All right, we had to snicker, we had to laugh. It's always something with Tyson Fury. First, an outrageous suit, we would expect nothing less. And then a birthday serenade for 90-year-old Bob Arum at Madison Square Garden, no less, on the PA, on the mic. Uh, he, did, he did pull it off. He is a showman. We know all of this. Uh, so it was it was good to see the Gypsy King back out making a promotional appearance. And now we wonder when he will be making an appearance in the ring. More on that in a second. But what about the birthday serenade? Do we have a reaction? Are you giving him an eight, a nine? What are you giving him for that for last weekend? Um, 
Well, certainly got some chutzpah, hasn't he, turning up in that <laughs> suit. Um, as I've said many times, um, I, I worry I get repetitive on this. Uh, big fan of Fury. He's just, a, to me, a big lovable character and always entertaining, always uh, refreshing in some strange way when he appears on screen, makes you smile. Um, he's not everybody's taste, I appreciate. Um, but as a heavyweight champion of the world, he should be a public figure to some extent, shouldn't he? he, he it's, the, it's the transcendent figure that we've always wanted the heavyweight champion to be, to represent boxing. And he's got a patchy past, we know that. Some skeletons in the closet, so to speak, and maybe one or two behind the scenes that nobody really talks about. But the, the public persona, his fighting persona, are all things that we like. And to answer the second part of your question, or moving on to the second part, the actual fighting part, I hope we see him active next year. I hope we see him out at least twice. Love to see him out three times. Um, but yeah, I'd like to see him active next year and um, and fighting the top guys. And hopefully that's all he's really interested in. The, the wonderment is, will the Dillian White fight finally happen or not? Uh, I know Eddie Hearn is kind of talking, what a surprise, out of both sides of his mouth, because he says on the one hand, that would be a stadium fight. Uh, it would have a huge crowd. Bear in mind, Eddie Hearn has no control or say so in Tyson Fury's affairs and where he wants to have the fight as the champion. Uh, but Hearn was also saying as recently as two weekends ago in Las Vegas that he understands that the fight to be made might be the Fury-Usyk fight. Because the concern is if Usyk defeats Anthony Joshua in a rematch, Joshua now has no PR value, no relevance to fight Fury down the road. And oh, by the way, Hearn doesn't control Usyk. If Usyk wins the rematch, he has no. So now is Hearn willing to try to, you know, step aside, get a little piece of an Usyk Fury with the understanding the winner is going to fight Anthony Joshua. So that was the theory being floated a couple of weeks ago. Who knows if that happens? Uh, or not I'm with you we should see Tyson Fury in the ring a couple of times and I'm going to be disappointed if it's not against somebody by March or April right David as we as we wrap this up right well um, absolutely that's that's what you want to see and I I understand the theory I think um the added layer to that is to my understanding uh Dillian White is a free agent so uh any relationship he has with Hearn is on a fight to fight basis at best so yeah from having got a chokehold on that division a year 18 months ago to a large extent and everything looking rosy in the disown camp etc suddenly that um high profile division is outside mr hearn's grasp to a certain extent and things are outside his control and certainly anthony joshua's control so if he can somehow leverage that all to come back to a joshua versus usic or fury fight and all the baubles and he's got potential to reclaim ownership of that division with Wilder essentially out of the picture now um, as a cornerstone at least of that division then it wouldn't surprise me if he's got those kind of maneuvers in his mind he's a he's a wily fox he makes mistakes but he's um, he's learned at the knee of his father about how to move around these things of course um, so like you, I'd like to see Fury busy. If that's White first, then Usyk. If it's if it's Usyk, then Joshua. I'm happy with either of those pairings, providing we see them both in 2022, and we see the other guys that are around that kind of level boxing each other too. As Joshua used to say, "All the pressure's on me to fight all these guys. Why don't at least some of these guys start fighting each other a little bit?" Which I had some sympathy with because they do. They do uh, take long absences, waiting for the money shot at the Wilder, waiting for the money shot with uh, with with Joshua, etc. Didn't they in the past couple of years? So they did, they did, and we'll see if we start getting some of this. The, the hope would be if there's not an Usyk Fury to be made, we get Usyk Joshua on track also for the spring. So we might get both heavyweight title fights to come for the spring. At least we can hope. Christmas is the season. Did of you, hope, uh, right? did you? We can yeah, hope for this. Yeah, well, the new year and new starts and and all that kind of stuff and things being different to the last 50 years, let's hope. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it, I found it interesting to see um, the the Fury and Usyk, the brief interaction that those two guys had right. around the same same sort of Bob Aram, Aram uh, Madison Square Garden thing. Um, 
and just seeing them sort of eye each other up. Obviously, huge respect. Usyk's a very unique character in a totally different way. To Fury is a very unique character. Um, and he's been quite dismissive of him in the past, Fury, hasn't he? About him being too small, etc., etc. But when they actually squared up, he's clearly taller. But I don't know, he didn't look so such an enormous difference, did it? When they actually came face to face. So, um, be interesting. I would really, I'd, I'd relish seeing that fight. I would still I think. And Fury the argument still remains in the Fury comeback stages here. He hasn't fought anybody as skilled as what Usyk is, no matter the size. In his tune-up fights before the first uh, draw with Wilder, and then there were the two fights after the draw with Wilder against lesser competition, including Otto Valin, not as skilled. Then the two Wilder fights. I mean, th there's an argument to be made here that Usyk has got the skill set to really give him a challenge if he can overcome the size. That's what we can all salivate over, fantasize about. And yeah, absolutely. At some point. Let's right? hope it's not fantasy. Let's hope we're not sitting here in a year's time hoping for that fight. Let's hope we can get it made because if they lose, let's let's go again. Let's have another fight. Let, yeah, let's, let's not chase perfection of a zero. Let's uh, see who is the best. Let's find out. Let's see if we can find out. Anything else in closing? I always love your insight. Uh, I, I know we're getting ready for the Christmas holiday and the new year. Um, and, uh, and, the, and the sport has, we have gotten through on the back half of the year with a lot of prominent fights domestically in the United States and over in the UK and Europe. We've gotten a lot of fights back on board, and that's a good thing. And let's hope it continues here for 2022, right? I know you echo that with me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, maybe you can help me with a, a, an internal conflict to have, TJ. Um, Uh-oh. All right, it's therapy uh, time. Welcome <laughs> welcome into my shingle and my couch. Go ahead. Yes. I mean, I've, already, I've already spoken earlier about uh, 37 being very old for a welterweight, and I often comment that guys really need to get on with it. You know, you look at the welterweight division rankings and all the guys above Conor Ben. I think apart from Ortiz and Boots are about 32. So I'm so, you know, there's a lot of old men around, isn't there, that were in the olden days would have been long gone by now because they fight less often, of course. Um, so I'm always encouraging fighters to pack up, you know. You've had your time, pack up. You'll have to get used to not having the lights and the spotlight and the money, but your health's more important, etc. And then you get Nonito Donaire. 39 years old, mm -hmm. knocked out two unbeaten guys with peaches and wants that rematch with Anui. And <laughs> I really want to see it. <laughs> and, and I <laughs> but I don't want to see him. it because he's 39. He shouldn't be fighting these guys. Sure. That's the but internal he, he conflict seems, he, I think it's a great quandary question, but he seems to be... Uh, you know, you know what I do regularly in the fall is I'm around the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and American football, of which you know a little bit about tangen tangentially, although you do have a golf shirt, a, a, a polo collared shirt from me to occasionally put on to support the Bucs. Uh, but Tom Brady's 44 years old, 44, mm -hmm. playing a game of mid-20-year-olds or, or, or older 20-year-olds. Uh, and being able to do it. So some defy it. Manny Pacquiao was able to defy it uh, later on into his career. And there've been some others that were able to, def to defy it and summon it. And Donaire, Donaire looks fresh. I'd love to see he and the monster again. I understand the concern though, at 39 years of age, because the monster uh, in a way, a hard puncher and uh, demonstrated it again, right after Donaire's fight, the monster is one earlier this week, but I think that's the one we're going to get. I don't think the Donaire camp wants anything to do with Casimero, the other champion, because of drug suspicions. And I think that's the bout we're going to get in the first part of 2022. We'll see. I, so. I, I agree I with so. you, though. It's an interesting conflict, yeah. an interesting yeah. contradiction that we would love to see that fight, but we're concerned at the same time for one of the fighters for his advanced yeah. age. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the trouble. Uh, and But, yeah, that's... But boxing's full of contradictions, isn't it? It, it makes um, contrary folk of us all. We we like something one week and then we're decrying the same thing the following week. It's it's that kind of messy jungle that you can never get a straight line through. So it's um, but yeah, I, I thought you might be able to help me with that. Perhaps I can't. I can't. Other than uh, if Donaire's in great shape and checks out physically and wants to do this. 
Uh, that was a great fight the first time around. Let us not forget for all the talk of fractured eye orbitals in 2021, Billy Joe Saunders having one. Uh, who else? Daniel Dubois got one as, as well. If that fight, I'm trying to remember if that was in 2021 or late 2020, uh, fighting Joe Joyce over in England. Uh, there have been others that have suffered from that as well. The rumor was Kayla Plant suffered one at the hands of Canelo mm -hmm. Alvarez late in the fight uh, as well. Anthony Joshua, I believe, mm -hmm. uh, may have been suffering from it with Usyk fracturing his eye. Donaire fractured the monster's eye, and he fought through it late in the fight and won the decision in the hotly contested decision. So mm -hmm. let's see what might happen there in a rematch. We could hope. We can fantasize. Listen, my friend, always great to chat with you and catch up with you. Please, let's do it again fairly soon in the new year. For mm -hmm. now, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year over in the U.K., and we look forward to some more exciting fights coming along that we get a chance to talk to you about and read on boxingwriter.co.uk. Thank you, David Payne, as always. Right. It's my pleasure, TJ. And I just we're going to close with the same to you. And thank you for having me on so many times this year. And uh, hopefully will be appearing on Big Fight Weekend next year. And I have a little inclination for Marcus Brown in the light heavyweight fight. So Ooh, Marcus Brown and little we'll see. Yeah. We'll yeah. see. All right. Anyway, good I'll stuff close on that and hopefully I'm proved right. We'll never, well, we'll see if that is the case. It'll be interesting uh, as that one heads towards the weekend as well. My friend, thank you, David Payne. Good man. See you soon. Always love getting to talk with him. And again, uh, Merry Christmas to him. Happy holidays to David Payne. Does great work at boxingwriter.co.uk. So I call back in Marquise John, senior writer, bigfightweekend.com once more to give me some more uh, insight on this. All right, so he and I were talking about the likelihood of, of Fury's next opponent. Do you believe at this stage right now, with Christmas coming, New Year's coming, that it is going to be Fury, Dillian White, or are you dubious that it will be Fury and someone else? What are you still thinking? Yeah, I'm still thinking, TJ, as you know, as the as the president and co-chair of the Ajit Cabello fan club here uh, for Tyson Fury, <laughs> I think that's the next guy up for it. And I'm going to I'm going to die on this hill alone, I'm, I'm sure, until that fight happens. But and it's one of those things with TJ where I'm, I'm always intrigued when the WBC does this. And they've done this a lot in the last six to eight weeks because of their meetings and whatnot in the year end. And they're pretty much going home for the holidays. They have pretty much ordered all these fights. I'm, I'm, I'm going to do some research on this, TJ, because the track record of, of the WBC ordering all these fights and these fights actually happening is about as good as me winning lottery scratch-off tickets. So I'm, I'm, looking forward <laughs> to see, I'm looking forward to seeing if any of this stuff is actually coming through in 2022, that fight being specifically important. <laughs> all right, good enough. Uh, let's go over what we do know. And again, with this disclaimer, if you're listening to us, you may already know what is or isn't transpiring, et cetera, with the better BF Brown light heavyweight unification title defense for the Russian, the unbeaten Russian, Artur B Better BF, uh, Better BF 16 and 0, 16 knockouts scheduled to defend Montreal Friday night. Will there be some fans, few fans, no fans? We don't know. Marquise, give me the odds real quick and what you think will happen Friday night as we head into the weekend. Absolutely, TJ. Uh, as of this recording, uh, Better Be is a 9-1 to favorite on most of these sportsbooks to, to retain against Marcus Brown. And I think, TJ, that number is going to go down because I think that number was put in before the week happened and before today's weigh-in that happened where Better Be pretty much had to get naked because he came in overweight. <laughs> Granted, it was 0. 0.2 pounds, but 0. 0.2 pounds is 0. 0.2 pounds. You, it, it, if, if you can't make weight the first time and you have to wait for it the second time, it's going to be an issue one way another fight night. So I'm looking forward to seeing how that plays out. So Marcus Brown is a live dog with this. Also, keep in mind as well, TJ, with Marcus Brown, he has a new trainer in Martin Derek James, who trains Errol Spence and all those guys. He's been training down in Texas for his fight all the way down in Wibdis. And I think the reason why this, the, the fight odds on this are so wide, TJ, is because the last time we all saw Marcus Brown was on PBC on Fox, and he was getting knocked up by Juan Pascal. Well, come to find out, TJ, Juan Pascal's uh, a PED dirty user. So kind of can't take right. a salt now. So I think Marcus Brown's a live dog in this, TJ. And Mark, Mark, John, better be of TJ is 36, uh, getting up there in age, hasn't been very active and doesn't move like Pascal did in that fight. So I'm looking forward to seeing how this is going to play out. All right. So again, Brown, better BF coming 12 rounds for better BF's WBC and uh, um, IBF light heavyweight titles. Mm -hmm. Uh, we'll see what happens in this matchup. And again, is there some atmosphere, no atmosphere, whatever it is on pay-per-view in Canada. They're looking to make money off of that, uh, obviously, as well. Let's roll into the fight cards that will be taking place on Saturday of interest. The DAZN show is also a heavyweight main event. Earlier in the day, U.S. time, Manchester, England. 
uh, rematch fight where, where Joseph Parker's fighting Derek Chisora. Parker with a decision win over Chisora that Chisora and his camp dispute, his fans dispute. Chisora clearly at the end. He hasn't won a significant fight really in about three or four years here. Yeah. Aging veteran. What do you make of this? The DAZN main event, Manchester, Saturday afternoon, U.S. time? Honestly, TJ, I'm kind of disappointed with the promotion of this fight leading up to it for a rematch and a grudge match because the one thing that Joseph Parker and Derek Tazor have been known for beforehand with these fights is for their antics before the bell and their costumes and shenanigans. And we're getting none of that for this fight card. So I'm already like whatever with that fight to begin with anyway. I'm looking forward to seeing TJ, who I report on Big Fight Weekend, and Alan Babbick because... He's trying to get this Bridgerweight title, TJ, and I'm convinced he's going to get it because he's the only person I know that wants it, first of all. And second of all, he's facing a guy on, in, in, in prop, on, the, on this undercard, TJ, who's a 30-year-old uh, drywaller from France who fought in a, on a draw two weeks ago. So he's brought in as an opponent or favorable <laughs> opposition, like they call over here in the books. So I'm looking forward to seeing that goal play out as well. <laughs> All right, that's the DAZN matchroom show during the day. And again, we'll go over a couple more of these fight cards and, and odds, including what's going to happen at the Amelie Arena downtown Tampa for Jake Paul and Tyron Woodley in the pay-per-view main event and what else is on that card uh, as well. Uh, but there's a, there's a couple other ones that are, are likely going to be of some interest. That is uh, Gilberto Zerto Ramirez, uh, Unieski Gonzalez, that is the WBA light heavyweight eliminator. This would be for Dimitri Bivol's belt, whatever that's worth. 12-round eliminator, San Antonio, Texas, for Zerto Ramirez in that fight. Odds and any kind of expectation here of a Ramirez knockout, or what do you think? Uh, this should be quick work, TJ. I'm, I'm expecting a, Ramirez, a Zerto Ramirez knockout in this. And the reason why this, TJ, is a uh, WBA title eliminator is because at this point, Bebo is not trying to fight Zerto Ramirez. That's well documented and that they've been pushing the ball along on this. So they're going the mandatory route through the WBA. And the WBA has been trying to be better about these things. And they've been mortaring and, and consolidating these, these Reggie belts. So we'll see if that if this if, in the event if Ramirez wins here against Gonzalez, who I expect to win easily here, uh, if they actually make that fight happen. All right, Zerto Ramirez, obviously in the uh, in the main event on the DAZN show, simultaneous as well with the with all these fight cards that are going on, is a PBC on Fox show Saturday night from Minneapolis. David Morrell, Cuban born, uh, in a WBA super middleweight uh, eliminator in that division against Alantes Fox. Again, not household names. Morrell, pretty good punch. Hasn't had a lot of professional fights. Somewhat interested, Marquise, in this? Mm, sort of. Uh, what, what it is with David Morrell is that he's uh, a fan favorite at, the, at this, the Armory, the uh, the new Mecca of the North, as uh, Steve Kim refers to it as. And the one thing with this fight, actually, I think this fight for PBC is just one of those uh, just to keep these cards moving along. Not, not the strongest card up and down on the whole. The only thing on that fight card, TJ, I w will point people to, however, before the Fox card begins at 8 o'clock, over on FS1, a couple of Mayweather uh, promotion prospects, uh, Malik Hawkins and Richardson Hutchins is the main event on FS1 starting about 7 o'clock-ish. Watch that fight, because that fight may, may pretty much determine who uh, stays on Mayweather promotions and who doesn't afterwards, personally. <laughs> Could be like a loser leave to the promotion there. Hitchens and Hawkins yeah. are junior welterweights. Mm -hmm. And now let's get to it. Uh, we've, we've mentioned it a couple of times. Uh, the Showtime pay-per-view involving Jake Paul and Tyron Woodley. And I'll be the first one uh, to say this here again. I'm going to remain consistent with what I've been saying. The, the Paul brothers deserve an awful lot of credit. It has been a long con for them to continue to get main events and pay-per-views. And here we go with Jake Paul, a failed actor, a YouTube social media sensation. He's got the main event. Uh, coming on Showtime, what kind of audience will be there on TV? It is my understanding I will I will be at this fight card coming uh, Saturday night, downtown arena, Tampa, Florida, right here in my backyard. Uh, it is my understanding they have sold over 10,000 tickets. What's the configuration in the arena that actually seats about 19,000 for hockey? How many seats are there? Are there empty seats? I don't know. We'll find out what kind of live gate, what kind of live crowd. Rematch with Tyron Woodley. This is thrown together in the final two weeks uh, of the of the pay-per-view coming to fruition because Tommy Fury from England refused to come from England for whatever the reasons are, injury and training camp, uh, bronchial infection issue, couldn't train, whatever, bruised ego, not enough money. 
So I can't believe that Tommy Fury would have turned down the guarantee that he was going to have where he's not going to make that kind of money in any other fight that he's going to have anytime soon. But anyway, he's not fighting. So we get the Woodley rematch. That's the main event. Undercard has Amanda Serrano, who's probably the best fighter on the card. Honestly, four division world champion, unified featherweight champion. She's fighting a lightweight non-title fight, believed to be a tune-up to fight Katie Taylor. She's the co-feature, Amanda Serrano. And then we've got Frank Gore, the former football star who was playing as recently as last year in the NFL. 10,000-yard rusher in the NFL with the 49ers, the Colts, the Dolphins, and others against Darren Williams, former number one pick in the NBA as a guard forward former Brooklyn net among other teams, including the Dallas Mavericks, uh, an all-star an Olympic gold medalist. These guys want to fight. They're fighting as heavyweights in a four round fight. All right. So I laid it out for you. What, what do you make of this? It's going to be in downtown Tampa. The belief is there's going to be a ton of people there to watch. What do you make of all this Marquise? This sounds like a quality circus down uh, back, back, back home, TJ. I'm going to be honest with you. And, I'm, and the one fight, honestly, on this card that, is of significance is the Amanda Serrano fight versus Miriam Gutierrez only because the winner, uh, which one is going to be Serrano is probably going to look spectacular in, in fashion and all of this, which it, which is going to set up this con- conversation once again for the Katie Taylor, Amanda Serrano fight, which needs to happen, which should happen at some point next year for women's boxing. It's going to be a great time. If that does happen. I'm also looking forward to also uh, TJ, you mentioned the football, uh, you mentioned Frank Gore and Daron Williams, you know, Marquise's former fancy basketball and football players respectively on his teams. <laughs> and, uh, and now and, and both of my, both of my, 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 my former teammates here, are going to go at it in the ring here and in a little four round here. I'm looking forward to seeing how that plays out to see if, if these guys are being worked out to be the future opponent for Jake Paul more than likely here in the event that he wins again. By the way, TJ, you got to admit though, and I'm, I'm going to put this and throw this back to you on this. How much luster loss was lost on this fight now that uh, Tommy Fury pulled out? Personally, I mean, because I, I, I remember talking with you about this beforehand. I think that the angle was sold itself. I mean, you got the uh, the brick coming over to Florida, you know, to, to, play, to fight the American over in Tampa. That was solid. Sells itself. And the fact that Tommy Fury had had 10 professional fights, trained amateur fighter, et cetera, all that was the intrigue. Yeah. Could he level Jake? Paul or not as Paul tries to take the next steps away from fighting UFC fighters basketball stars other YouTubers and now he's back rematching Woodley who while he had success in UFC as the former welterweight champion and he had the I think he had the welterweight title for like three years in the UFC octagon but again this is not the octagon Uh, this is not grappling this is not submissions Woodley basically doesn't have any boxing experience. Yes, he pushed Jake Paul a little bit. What about the odds in the fight pick here, uh, Marquise Johns, for this matchup? Uh, what are you looking at and what are you thinking about Jake Paul and the matchup with Tyron Woodley? Uh, for looking at the odds, TJ, for this one, uh, Jake Paul is pretty much a three-to-one favorite uh, to retain uh, to win here. Pretty much mo- most of them around like 260, 275, depending where you look at. I expect it to be the same thing, TJ. The only thing that made the last fight of any actual significance is the fact that on the in, when, it, when it goes into the history books, it's going to say it was a split decision and, and all this fun stuff in, in Jake Paul's hometown of Cleveland. But at the end of the day, Tyron really, really wasn't in this fight last go-round. He had one good round in the fourth where he had him on the ropes, but for more often than not, couple of crappy scorecards in Ohio. Personally, I thought Jake Paul wouldn't have fight kind of outright here. So I, I think it's just more of the same. And he's just going to get more rounds in on this also, which plays into the, uh, the over on this is at six and a half. Go ahead and go to the decisions. I don't, I don't think he's going to knock him out either. So eight round fight catch weight, not a cruiserweight, but a catch weight cruiserweight uh, area. So they're, they're going to go with that and we'll see how that one ends up. I'm, I'm going to be intrigued by Gore and Williams. I realize yeah. they are absolute novices, but Darren Williams has been training for over five years with MMA trainers and in the octagon. And uh, in Frank Gore's case, he's admitted, Hey, I've been doing heavyweight style boxing conditioning all through my off seasons of my NFL playing days, doing the road work, hitting the heavy bag, hitting the speed bag, you know, working on the footwork. I'm, I'm curious to see, is that going to be a laughing stock fight or will there, there actually be something there? Will there be some big punches? I don't know. Uh, and that's part of the intrigue for the pay-per-view and we'll see. I mean, we do know this. We have not really uh, talked a lot about Gervonta Davis uh, okay. in the aftermath of that uh, fight with Isaac Cruz. But the, the, the word that we're not hearing is that pay-per-view didn't do very well for Showtime. Let's see if Jake Paul makes up for that and delivers them, I don't know, a couple of hundred thousand, 300,000 or more uh, pay-per-view uh, buyers 
if they do, Showtime's got to consider that a success because these fighters are making less money, including Jake Paul, than what Gervonta Davis is making, for example, much less Canelo Alvarez is making on pay-per-view or Tyson Fury. So let's see in the formula, in the economic formula, what happens. Will it continue? I mean, obviously, for Showtime's sake, they don't want Tyrone, uh, Tyron Woodley to, uh, to uh, up in this, to, to, to derail it by beating him. So we'll find out. We'll find out what's going to happen Saturday night. Does Paul get the knockout that he couldn't get in Cleveland back in August? Does Woodley push him even more and maybe upset him and upset the whole Showtime game plan with the Paul brothers? I don't know. Absolutely, DJ. And what I wanted to find out as well with that, you mentioned with, with, with uh, Darren Williams and Frank Gore. I think Darren Williams out the chase history here because in, in terms of NBA players in, in, in boxing, outside of Kendall Gill, it does not look good track record-wise for anybody in the NBA in that squared circle. So <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping they can change the, change the narrative on that. And I do want to mention as well, TJ, uh, Showtime needs to be a little more consistent with this. And I'm, I'm not the only person saying this, but I'm going to mention when I say this. Uh, we have not got, as of this recording, it's December 18th when we're recording this. We have not gotten the Javante Davis, Isaac Cruz pay-per-view numbers yet. We got the Canelo plant, Caleb plant numbers in 24 hours. What's the difference? I'm trying to figure out what, what did, did the computer change? I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a little iffy here. So needless to say, it didn't do very well. <laughs> well, and the one, the one prime indicator right now that it bombed is Leonard Ellerby with Mayweather Promotions, who is the carnival barker for them. Uh, is taking on all comers on social media yeah. trying to defend this without giving out the pay-per-view numbers, which he obviously yeah. knows were awful. And again, they took a real risk on a Sunday night going against the Kansas City Chiefs on yeah. uh, NFL football, blah, blah, blah. And he's not fighting a household name. I mean, one of the things that we now see here at this point is that Gervonta Davis in and of himself isn't going to draw a huge pay-per-view audience. It's got to be a better fight. And a, and a more name fighter that he's going up against. And we'll see if that improves and if that continues. So let's see if the Paul audience is any good for this Tyron Woodley pay-per-view coming Saturday night. I do know that I will be there. I'll report back on what we see. We'll have coverage of it Saturday. Marquise flow right in with everything that we got going on this weekend on the site and uh, covering this stuff in the preview mode, the recap mode. Absolutely. Bigfightweekend.com, TJ. Your place for all things boxing news, past, present, and future. We'll be all out and about covering all these fights this weekend. You'll be at, uh, at in the building for Paul Willie. That should be amusing. And, and look, let me know if they, say, they play more than two national anthems. That's always amusing when they do that stuff there. And uh, <laughs> also, we also fight cards as well. The ones on the zone, as well as the, uh, the PBC fight card on FS1 and Fox, which I think is really kind of funny the way that PBC is putting a random fight card on just to burn these fight card dates off. It's very disappointing on Fox's end. But that's what we got for the time being. And hopefully next, hopefully TJ, next year we'll get better cards from Fox. I mean, they're starting my birthday on New Year's Day with a pay-per-view behind a paywall. I'm not, not, I'm not crossing my fingers yet, but we'll see what happens. <laughs> good enough, Marquise. Good stuff here. My thanks also to David Payne with us, the boxing writer at boxingwriter.co.uk, giving us some English perspective. Let's see what happens with all the action this weekend. Another reminder, however you found this podcast, through a social media link, through the Sports Gambling Podcast, their network of shows, subscribe, follow us, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, subscribe away. We come your way usually Friday midday in the preview mode. And again, we've got a Friday night title fight this week that we've been previewing. You may already know that result. We stay relevant for Saturday in the preview mode. You just subscribe. It comes automatically to you and comes your way also through the Sports Gambling Podcast uh, Network's app, the SGPN app available in the Apple Store, the Google Play Store. By the way, the latest metrics are in at the end of this year. Uh, and we would like to say that we're a small contribution to this. The Sports Gambling Podcast Network of Shows, over 3 million downloads combined in 2021. Mm -hmm. Of that, again, Big Fight Weekend, a niche, had tens of thousands of those downloads as well all throughout this calendar year. There are boxing fans out there consuming our content, so thank you to Sean Green, Ryan Kramer, and company uh, for uh, helping push us and promote us to all of the vast audience through the Sports Gambling Podcast, and let's see what happens in 2022. We love the relationship with those guys as well. Marquise, great stuff. Have a great weekend. Enjoy it. We'll talk to you soon again. It'll be, it'll be the last time in 2021 next week here on the podcast. Absolutely, TJ. No, this will be a fun weekend with this as, as the year winds down. Thanks so much, and we'll do it again next week. There is Marquise Johns. I'm merely TJ Reeves. Enjoy all the fights this weekend from Montreal to Manchester, England to San Antonio, Texas, to Tampa, Florida. We'll be all over it on the website, bigfightweekend.com. We'll talk about it next week on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. Bye.